I stumble upon a new paper uh, written by Professor John Austerhout uh, from Stanford University. Uh, the paper summarizes a new protocol that replaces TCP, which is one of the most abundant, if, the, if not the abundant protocol that is used everywhere. You know, and it's not directly used. It's probably used by your application right now, even if you don't know it, right? Like HTTP uses uh, TCP. Yeah, I know HTTP three does switch to Quick, which uses UDP. But a lot of applications, SSH, you know, SMTP, all of these protocols use directly uses TCP as a protocol, you know, uh, and it's been very popular for years. So why change? Apparently, when I when I read the title of this um, paper, you know, I was skeptical. You know, we need a replacement for TCP in the data center. Emphasis in the data center here, because uh, don't don't get defensive like I did when I first read it. Like, ah, another someone who want to change thing the way we do things, you know, networking and backend engineering. Eh, I try to be objective and look at the actual paper and see the original problems that TCP has because we agree, right? TCP is not good for everything. We know that. That's why we have Quick. That's why we use UDP directly, especially for gaming, for video streaming, things like that. Because we know that TCP is great, but also it has limitations because it was designed, you know, it was ossified is the right word you know and uh, it's very hard to change but people work around it so in this episode of the back engineering show it's going to be a little bit different it's going to be a little bit longer so get a drink uh, relax and uh, let's enjoy this show i think uh, i think it's going to be a good uh, discussion really i think it's a good paper or do i think this new protocol that is called homa by the way uh uh, a very common Persian name, like that's how I know it, because my my mom is, you know, my mom's side is Persian, so that's a very common used name. And I I think Homa is a, is a some sort of a myth mythical bird that always flies and never lands. I don't know the history, but it's I don't know if it's but it's inspired by this you know myth mythology or not. But regardless, I think this is going to be interesting. Uh, let's just keep an open mind read it through obviously i have my criticism as usual we'll try to keep an open mind read it through let's have fun let's jump into it welcome to the back in engineering show with your host hussein nasser this is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on backend technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcast. With that said, let's get on the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Back in Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. Today, we're going to read this uh, summary paper. That's not the actual, the actual paper for this new protocol that attempts to replace TCP in the data centers. Again, very important to emphasize that in the data centers. Things in the data center, everything is tightly tucked in together. You know, the latency is almost, latency when it comes to networking is is, is in, a, in, a, in microseconds, you know, hundreds and microseconds, or even, even less than that, right? In switches, like nanoseconds, hundreds of nanoseconds. Like, so they, they invest a lot in this, uh, making these equipments as fast as possible, unlike the internet, which is like Wild West. And obviously there is latency, there is limitation when it comes to the MTUs used during the maximum transmission unit. We don't have these limits in the data center. We, we are so fast and TCP is apparently slowing development. Uh, of applications on the data center. Let's find out. I never worked in the data center. I don't know the challenges of the data center. That's why I, I'm taking the word of uh, Professor John here and uh, the references he references. Let's get started. We need a replacement for TCP in the data center. Let's read the abstract. Uh, by the way, uh, I downloaded the PDF and I started highlighting the important parts that I believe it's important because I can't go through the whole paper, obviously. It's, it's not that long. It's just six pages, you know. But I, I, I only down highlighted the interested parts that I want to discuss here, right? Abstract. In spite of its long and successful history, TCP is a poor transport protocol for modern data centers. Every significant element of TCP from its stream orientation to its requirement of in-order packet delivery is wrong again for the data center. Professor John emphasizes on this statement. It's just for the data center. If you're using it on the internet, don't change it. So think about stream orientation. So when we talk about TCP, now, the idea of TCP, TCP sits on top of IP and IP has packets. And if you want to send data through TCP, you sh ship them into segments, right? No mention of segments at all here, which is something I, I have to criticize, you know. It's very hard not to talk about TCP and not mention very critical concept of TCP, which is the segment. Not a mention, not in the original t uh, paper, not in this one zit nothing you know so tcp has this idea of segments and segments will have the tcp header which includes uh, the ports uh, information about congestion control other information as well can't remember right now sequences you know window sizes stuff like that you know and this is where the headers actually all the all the information these segments becomes carries your data so if you send a bunch of data let's say i want to send I don't know, I want to send a whole war document, you know, it's a bad example, but that will be 
try to send into this TCP socket, you know, when you create a connection through TCP and you just stream that whole Word document into the socket. Your application doesn't really know about this concept of segments. The kernel takes care of breaking things down into segments, right? Sometimes I guess you can have access to those, but you just get a bunch this will eventually be broken into multiple segments and will be shipped. Each segment will be sequenced with a number. Okay, segment number one, right? The first part of the document, second part of the document. So how many segments? It really depends on the MTU, the down downlink layer, obviously, the how much your Wi-Fi connection can handle, how much your LAN can handle, you know, and that is your basically the maximum transmission unit, your net your NIC, your network card effectively. And that carries on to the maximum, the PDU, which is the, uh, the packet uh, size in the IP packet, which of obviously translates to the maximum segment size, right? So you can send up to maximum segment size worth of content. But all of this is called a stream. It's just a stream of data. It's just in sequence packets. So if you think about it, there is no concept of, you know, request in TCP. You know, you send... Uh, or the Word document, how do you know if it actually arrives, right? The application has to decide that, you know, because it doesn't know. The transport transport protocol doesn't know about this discrete, you know, boundaries of your messages, as uh, the paper calls it, or request. Even the HTTP request. When you send an HTTP request through TCP, there is no concept of a request at the TCP layer, you know. You send a bunch of bytes, the bytes goes... Right, and the 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 HTTP request becomes get slash HTTP one one for input the headers. All of this becomes a byte string, and then that byte string is shoved into the TCP layer. The kernel might use one if you're lucky. Like I think the fifteen hundred is the maximum segment size in the internet by default, and the data center is way larger than that, obviously, right? Because they have control of all this equipment, they can increase that. That basically controls the frame at that data link layer so we're still in the abstract and i still didn't get continue i have to i have to shut up and read so from its stream uh, orientation to its requirement of in order packet delivery it has to be in order because you're sending a stream and it better arrive in order otherwise the word document or the request the actual content of the request will be arrived out of order right so that's why when you send multiple requests on the same tcp connection you have no idea at the server side, where the request, the first request starts, where the second request ends. We don't have that knowledge, right, at the transport layer. The application has to start receiving everything, and then it says, oh, okay, this is request number one, because it ends in a new line, or whatever the HTTP standard says, and then the second request starts right there. So that's what we have here. We have in-order packet delivery. It is time to recognize that TCP problems are two fundamentals and fundamental and interrelated to be fixed. The only way to harness the full performance potential of modern network is to introduce a new transfer protocol into the data center. Homa demonstrate that it is possible to create a transport protocol that avoids all of TCP's problems. Interesting. Although Homa is not uh, API, I keep saying Homa, because that's in Persian, that's how we pronounce it. It probably pronounced a different thing. Homa might, some, might be something else, but I'm going to say Homa. 
although Huma is not API compatible with TCP, it should be possible to bring into this is this is really big, right? If your application is running on TCP on top of TCP directly, then uh, you cannot use this. You have to rewrite your whole application to use Huma, right? Because it's a different API, right? There is no write or read. The, the, the whole thing is different. It's not as simple as it is. Maybe they probably, when they say it's not API compatible, that means it is literally, it's not. Because the whole thing changes. We're going to find out. The paper doesn't detail this. And it doesn't really, oddly, doesn't even mention the header, how it looks like, uh, nothing. Right? I tried to, as much as possible, pull information. There is no concept of ports, as far as I've seen. There is no concept of ports at all. They just say, hey, host connects to a host. Why do we need ports? They just completely removed that concept altogether. So they saved on the header sizes of the, you know, the messages that they sent. Uh, I got to admit, it's clever. They are reinventing the whole wheel here. Right? So it's scary for us. It's like something new, we get scared, of course. But yeah, it's uh, courageous, might I say. Although Homo is not an API compiler. Okay, we read this. Okay, let's read it. This is the introduction. I'm going to read just this part. I'm going to discuss. However, data center computing creates unprecedented challenges for TCP. So here's what they focus on. The, what's, what's so unique about data centers here, right? The data center environment with millions of cores in close proximity. Focus on close proximity, you guys. Close proximity. They are so tucked in together. This is not a solution for the internet. Don't bring this to the internet. I don't think it will fit in the internet, to be honest. Right? Well, the way I, I've read the design, there is a lot of chattiness going on, especially with the unscheduled packet and the scheduled packet, and the receiver has to say, hey, go ahead, and now you can send it. Oh, we can wait. Oh, go, go ahead and send it. There is a lot of chattiness. I don't know if it will work in, in the internet at all. With millions of course, proximity, individual application, harnessing thousands of machines to interact on microsecond time scale so this is the latency is so tiny between the machines so we want we are burdened by the tcp protocol could not be envisioned by the designers of tcp yeah tcp the tcp is designed 40 years ago did they didn't know that they didn't know that we're gonna reach this scale so i mean what they what they built is amazing that it actually survived 40 years. So I'm gonna jump in here and read the requirements. Okay, obviously this is visible and uh, I can disappear, but it's all right. If uh, I'm covering the page. Yeah. Requirements. What are we trying to solve here? Before discussing the problem of TCP, let us review the challenges that must be addressed by any transport protocol for data centers. For data centers, again. Reliable delivery. The protocol must deliver data reliably from one host to another in spite of transient failure. So they're not taking that away. There is a big difference between in-order delivery versus reliable delivery. So we're talking about retransmission here. If something failed, we have to know that it failed, it was dropped, and we need to send it again. Reliably, we have to deliver that, no matter what the consequences were so here the throughput is the concept of throughput is like how many units can be delivered in x amount of time so let's say i i can i can process thousand packets ip packets that is in a given second 
right? Versus someone else can process 10,000 packets in a second. So my that their throughput is better than mine. I have more, they have more throughput than I do, right? Why? Because I take more time processing each packet compared to there, right? So you want to increase throughput, you need to reduce time spent in each packet, thus increasing the throughput. But that's usually called the data throughput, as they call it here, right? What they care about is actually a higher level of throughput, which is application level message or request. So what does it mean? Even if you say 1,000 packet, how many requests are that those, right? If you're sending, uh, it doesn't mean, really mean 1,000 packet doesn't mean 1,000 requests. Not at all. It could be 30, right? Depends on the sizes of the request, right? So throughput here is, is completely different because each request, or each message, I keep saying request, but you can translate it to a message. They use the word message extensively here. It's very abstract, but... Uh, Think of the message as a request when, when it's going from the sender to the server, right? And as a result, how many requests can I send in a, in a second? How many requests can you process? That is a very important metric in proxies such as Nginx, Envoy, HAProxy. How many requests can you pull and, request, uh, and, and process? And that obviously depends on the protocol at the layer 7, right? Is it HTTP? Is it HTTP2? Is it gRPC? How many requests can you process? And that is a, a, another concept that is a requirement here. The ability to send large number of small messages quickly. So that's one of their requirements. They really, gonna, when you notice the, 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 the theme that you're going to notice in this paper is they focus on messages and their short messages to specific. I think they define what, what do they mean by short messages? It, like within the kilobytes, right? Uh, which is, I believe, it's very common, especially in microservices. You're probably going to make a small request and a large response, or maybe a large request and a small response. Usually, requests are smaller than responses. Usually, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I can't think of an example where a request. Yeah, I guess if you send like a, you're writing something. Hey, I'm uh, posting a tweet, right? So the request in this case, so I take it back. The request is large. The response is tiny. Right, but short messages are are often in this case the response is short, so they want to prioritize short messages. TCP really works really bad when it comes to short messages. Just because, what does it mean a short message? Right, a short message is, I don't know, maybe, let's say two hundred or three hundred bytes. You can fit that in a segment, right? And you can say you might say, well, short messages to fit in a single segment at the client side, uh, some clients can delay sending that segment and wait until it actually fills up to fill up a maximum segment size, the whole segment, you know, because it's wasteful. You're going to see this theme with TCP. It's don't never send a single byte in a message in a segment. Always wait to fill it up, right? That's why most implementations today disable this behavior of waiting to fill up a segment which is called nigel algorithm a curl back in 2016 they just disabled that altogether no it's like i have 300 bytes why do you have me to wait and again it's not just always waiting it's just if there is acknowledgement right so that's i guess part of the things that were kind of frankensteining 
on top of TCP. That makes sense, right? So, so I, I get that. Let's continue. Congestion control. So what is congestion control? So obviously they don't explain any of these concepts, right? They, they assume you know. And that's my job here to kind of explain and illustrate and demystify anything that is not clear. Because I, when I read this, I obviously some of the stuff I didn't understand, some of the stuff I did, and spent some time to kind of... I might get some of this wrong, obviously, but... Oh, well. well. That's part of it, right? Congestion control. So congestion control is refers to... You know, TCP has two control, if you will. There is a flow control at the receiver side where it says, okay, the host that you're sending to, how much they can handle, how much buffer they have to receive data, the host itself, how much bandwidth those guys actually have, you know, at that application side. And that's called flow control, receiver flow control. And there is another level of control, which is congestion control, which basically usually describes the middle network. Now, things like in the middle. How much? How much can you handle in the middle, right? The routers in the middle and the switches in the middle will buffer packets. And if those buffers are full for any router of any host in the middle before we reach the end, then those packets will be dropped. And that dropping of a packet will signal to the sender that say, hey, there is a congestion. Let me slow down. And the author of Homer hate this. They hate the fact that the sender is actually slowing down rating, you know, the transmission rate, right? And and the congestion control algorithm goes like, first, uh, there's a, something called a slow start. I, by the way, I talk about all of this stuff in my networking course. Check, check, check it out network.hasainnasr.com, all these fundamental stuff I try to explain. You know, so it's all there in detail. But I'll explain it here. So congestion control starts with, the CB starts with a slow start, so it will aggressively send, 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 and then start uh, the, the another algorithm, which is basically the congestion control algorithm, the normal one, where it will increase segment by segment, right? Until a, and a congestion was detected and what does that mean and th this is where the disagreement here the the authors of the homa paper here they disagree where what does it mean to be congested you know the conjunction in tcp says if there is a dropped packet or sometimes there is something that explicit explicit con uh, congestion notification said in the ip header that router said and so layer three switches to be specific also uh, they will say, hey, I detected a congestion. Oh, I'm about to be congested. Yeah. Continue. Let's, uh, uh, slow down. So that once the congestion is detected by, if a buffer is filled, packets are dropped, timing out as a result, and the client said, hey, segment, I didn't receive an account for this segment. There must be a, a congestion. I'm going to half my window, the congestion window, the CWND. Right? And then just, oh, it will go on, right? And then slows down. And that's just really bad, apparently, for data centers, right? It's it's interesting how they are trying to kind of solve this problem, you know? They are, instead of introducing, because who, let's think about it. Who's introducing the congestion? The sender, right? Because it's sending data like there is no tomorrow, right? It's like it's sending, 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 and then eventually it will reach a state where no the router's in the middle, 
there was a like a weakest link that cannot handle this because the 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 packets will get backed up and the buffers will fill and the, when the buffers fill the new packets will know they will not have will have no room to sit in these routers and as a result they will basically drop the packet will slow down the computer. so they are they're flipping this algorithm so i guess it's a spoiler uh Spoiler alert, I'm going to explain what Homa does here. What they did is actually flip it. They make the receiver decide, tell the sender, hey, it's okay to send now. Right? So what happened here is the in Homa, the messages will be sent regardless, blindly sent. That's what they call it. They just, just send anything you have, but only things that's called unscheduled packets our scheduled messages so they're going to send only few parts of the of each of the message that you're going to send they're going to send the parts the the beginning of the message which includes the message length and that gives kind of information metadata to the receiver says oh uh this message is short go ahead and send that this message is long let's wait a little bit on this i'm going to grant you sending these messages but keep the rest of them so the receiver is just orchestrating the congestion. Not really congestion. It's the, receiving, the receiver orchestrating the sending. Right? So you're going to see a lot of chattiness if you think about it, right? Just this, this, this thing didn't really exist. I can, you can argue there is acknowledgement right, coming back and forth. So they are replacing that with this concept of grants. I know. I know. I know. I, I, I have to continue reading. <laughs> In order to... Uh, provide low latency the transport message uh, transport protocol must limit the buildup of packet in the network queues packet queues can occur both at the edge the links connecting hosts to the top of racks you're gonna see this mentioned a lot in the paper top of racks uh tor i think stands not the onion router not to be confused with the onion router because i've seen tor it's like what does tor has to do with this top of rack switches and in the network core each of these forms of congestion creates distinct problems obviously all right this is a uh, uh some some of this part is like actually my favorite here and I, again we, we are we are here in the requirement section right what is the requirement for a new protocol in the data center so we talked about congestion control we want to try to avoid it as much as possible efficient load balancing across server cores for more than a decade network speeds have been increasing rapidly while the processor clock rates have remained essentially statics so you see i'm not a hardware engineer i'm not a network engineer right but this this actually I mean, this makes sense right but i didn't know about this Apparently, the switches are getting better, the routers are getting better, but the CPU is staying the static, the speed. Because what what is what's his name? Uh, Moore's law. Moore's law. Yeah, is, is that Moore's law? Not Murphy's law. I'm confused. Moore, Moore's law. Yeah, Moore's law. That every eighteen months it doubles. I think it's slowing down. But network is just keeping the switches are keeping getting better and better. Apparently, I don't know that. So that's a again. I didn't work in data center, so. I, any information here is new to me news thus it's no longer possible for a single core to keep up with a single network link you have to have multiple cores that is very interesting also i love it i absolutely love it so the the fact that you need multiple cores which kind of translate to 
these cores must be load balanced. Like whatever the data coming into the, you, your neck has be, to be shuffled into these cores in an organized manner and in a balanced manner. We're going we're gonna to read later that TCP cannot do this effectively. It creates this hotspot in a single core per connection because of this concept of connections. Both incoming and outgoing load must be distributed across multiple cores. This is true at multiple levels. At the application level, high throughput services must run on many cores and divide their work among the cores. At the transport layer, a single core cannot keep up with the high speed link, especially with short messages. Load balancing impacts transport protocols in two ways. First, it can introduce overhead. Example, the use of multiple cores causes additional cache misses and coherence. Second, load balancing can lead to hotspots where load is unevenly distributed around, uh, across cores. Right? So we're going to see like all the packets going to one core, the other cores are not uh, as even. And the reason we do this is for stickiness reason. We want the packets to be processed in the same core as much as possible so that file descriptors of the connection live in the processor cache and we don't have to go to the memory to fetch those information i guess that's 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 one way to look at it right that's probably why this is the form of the, the congestion of the software level load balancing overheads are now one of the primary sources of tail latency and they are impacted by the design of transport protocol this is so fascinating to read this stuff if you read it in details that is nick Offload. I'm not gonna spend much in this because, uh, to be honest, what NIC offload is like a, a network interface controller, right? That means like we want as much as possible the protocol to run in the network card, the network interface controller, instead of the actual software, right? because it's it's way faster to run in the in that hardware environment. Problem is, I think Linux is very against that you know and i when i read that i think i was like wikipedia entries and references some articles so the reason they links do not want to use nick offloading like running software related to transport protocol in the actual nick is because of patches like what if you want to patch this right uh, how do you patch hardware stuff and every vendor is going to do it differently right so for for specific data center might, might be a problem that not might not be a problem because like i say this the whole thing will be managed by one vendor right the whole hardware but like if there's a security concern like when there's transport protocol and you want to fix it you want to fix a bug like what do you do in linux you just it's a software you just patch it right in hardware it's like oh, it's a firmware what do you do you just you have to like yeah, it's just, it's very complicated to fix. When I read this, like, not a lot of people are in favor of Nick offloading, putting everything into the Nick because of these problems. Like, it's very sticky to update, right? Especially if you have, like, a security problems and stuff like that. I don't know. I know. I might be wrong there. But I kind of agree that it's like, yeah, Nick is faster, but is it worth it? Let's continue reading. All right, section three. Everything about TCP is wrong. 
Not as there, yeah, of course. It's uh, the language used in this paper. It's almost used in purpose to ruffle some feathers. And ruffle some feathers it did. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Let's continue. This section discusses five key properties of TCP which cover almost all of its designs. That's actually very interesting thing. Uh, we can learn a lot about TCP from this, uh, this section, really. Steam orientation. The idea of having concept of stream instead of messages, actual discrete start and end right here, messages. There is no concept of messages or request in, in TCP, right? You create this at the application layer. You are responsible to do that when you use TCP. And that's what HTTP does. Like HTTP has this header called content link. And that header has been abused to oblivion uh, with HTTP smuggling attack. Most HTTP smuggling attack happens because of the stream orientation, right? Where we don't know where the message starts and where the message ends. And as a result, uh, where the request starts and where the request ends, what makes it worse, HTTP has actually HTTP, the fluid design of HTTP has multiple ways to indicate an end, right, of a, of a request. Like there is the content length and there is the, what is it called? The the transfer encoding, I believe, which is like, hey, I I don't know, I'm going to have about to send unlimited stuff. So just, just be ready. If I send like backslash n backslash r, that's the end of my transmission. I think twice, backslash n, backslash r, backslash n, backslash r. That, that basically, hey, that, that ends my transmission. So just because we have multiple ways, the problem is like, what if you have content length and you have transmission encoding, the proxy will process it differently and the back end, let's say, you know, JS will, trans, will process it completely differently. And as a result, uh, hackers can smuggle sensitive requests in the second message that will be processed by that will be skipped completely by the proxy and will be processed by the application on the back end this way an attacker can call an admin api on the back end that is being actually blocked in the proxy so that's what http smuggling and it's mostly because of the tcp streaming or orientation problem right they could have mentioned that but they didn't but that's like having clear definition of where the message starts and at the transport layer immediately solves this problem. We don't have a solution for this problem, unfortunately. That's why every two days you see, a, you see advisory, oh, it should be smuggling detected in Node.js. Oh, it should be smuggling detected on uh, Nginx. Connection orientation. Correct. The idea of having TCP not, needs to have a connection because... Well, I don't know why it needs to have a connection. Now, after reading this, like I am questioning everything. To be honest, <laughs> like, 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 why? Why do you need a connection? Right? Yeah, it's like I have some state, and you can store all the state in the connection. That's handy, right? You have port that comes with port. You connect to a port, right? This way, you can have uh, the same host can have many application and. And the application is at the connection level. You're going to see this is a very similar thing, right? With the HOMA, with the concept of RPC. But HOMA doesn't have connections. They removed all that together. Yeah. Because we have connections in TCP, you now we need to store them. And we need to store that state. And boy, if you have many connections, 
then you're going to need a lot of memory. There is a lot of management going on there. Bandwidth sharing, fair scheduling. So I didn't really uh, know about this in TCP, to be honest. This is a new thing to me, fair scheduling or fair queuing or whatever it's called. I think TCP works at the segment level. So if you have a segment, if you have like 10 connections coming, like all coming to your host, right? the segments will be processed in order in a fair manner. Like, so you have one segment, the segment, the segment, the segment, and it will just round robin through them one by one, getting all these segments, right? So if your segment happened to have one byte and the second segment is fully loaded with content, then you will be starved. Short messages will be start in this example, right? So short messages living in short segments will start. That's how I understood it, at least, right? Because you'll have to wait because you're processing a larger messages, segments, while you have 10 short segments, right? That needs to, that can be processed quickly, but instead you decided to wait and uh, serve larger segments, right? Because of just the order, it's just fair, right? We'll, we'll go through this in details, we'll talk about it. Sender-driven congestion control, we talked about this, right? The sender dictates the congestion, right? Where we're going to send data, send data, send data, send, 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 up. I'm, I'm detecting congestion. My packets are not being acknowledged. My segments are not being acknowledged. Drop, 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 right? So the sender, that's effectively the bad thing about TCP. In-order packet delivery. So in-order packet delivery. So... The IP packets, which carries the TCP segments, which have the information about the sequence, will have to be arrive in order. So even if your IP packets arrive out of order, which will they will, right? At the end of the day, because it's the internet. I mean, in the data center, you can control that in a sense, not, not much in the internet. Then the application, the transport layer will start blocking says, oh, this is segment number three. Where is two and one? I'm going to wait for them. So th the fact that you waited and you did not process segment three, despite segment three being complete and a, a, and a good message to be processed, is a wasted uh, latency, right? So the, the under uh, in order packet delivery is kind of problematic. But we solved this problem. We know about this. We have this problem today with HTTP, right? A browser wants to send 10 requests, right? How does it send 10 requests to the same host? In Quick, we use UDP streams, which is the very similar concept. It's just UDP to avoid TCP head of line blocking. But in this case, yes, yeah, send these requests. They are, they are completely independent streams. So the application when we arrive at the other end we're gonna see oh this is a, it's yeah the, we received the, this segment segment number three arrived before segment number one sure yeah they are out of order but they are completely st its own stream so i don't care take it and, and start processing it do not wait for segment two and one to arrive or request one or two to arrive to process request number three that's ridiculous right so that's that's basically uh, the idea of head of line blocking. Again, it still exists if you're using a same TCP connection. That's why HTTP2 uh, 
still have the idea of head of line blocking at the TCP layer. So that's one limitation of TCP right there, right? That's why Quick solves that completely because Quick has independent streams, right? That's another reason why probably this paper never mentioned Quick because same problem, it's streams. We don't care about streams. They don't want streams, they want messages, right? So the idea of having stream, I wish that Quick, they just thought of a concept to switch to messages and all of this will be gone. That's it, this, this won't exist, right? If we just implemented in Quick the idea of messages, I don't think it's gonna be easy, but that, that will solve the problem, right? Technically, because that's what they want. They want messages. But if you think about it, like they also want other things, the congestion control. Like, we have congestion control in Quick. We have each stream is has its own congestion control limit. It's completely independent. Right? So, but it's still limited by the sender, right? So that's something they don't like. I wish they uh, really, you know what? They didn't mention anything about Quick, and I, I'm mad. They really should talk about that. Because, like, why didn't you pick Quick? I know the answer. The answer is, like, it's stream. So it won't solve anything. Why not UDP? Just build on top of UDP. Probably they want to reinvent the wheel. They don't want that concept of ports, which has it. UDP has it. They don't need this concept. Again, I'm making a lot of things up, implying, and I'm not afraid of implying things. Because, like, hey, there's, it's not written here. And not nothing written here. And not in the other paper. So, by the way, there is another paper right here. Uh, I'm going to share, share it with you, which is the actual HOMA implementation back in 2018. I read that nothing, no mention of quick, nothing. Let's read, let's read. Stream orientation. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The data model for TCP is stream of byte. However, this is not the right model for most data center applications. Data center applications typically exchange discrete messages to implement remote procedure calls. Very critical. We talked about this, right? When you when you are in a data center or you have like a microservice to token to another microservice, it doesn't have to be a microservice, just the normal data center thing, right? Whatever things they talk about these, you know, Kubernetes or whatever, you know, other, you know, host to host or whatever applications have in, in their data center these communication happen as a request response give me a request give me a response okay right? and the discrete message is the remote procedural call where hey i'm going to make a request you give me a response this means when an application reads from a stream this is very important that's why i highlighted it there is no guarantee that it will receive a complete message. True. It's a stream. You read whatever the kernel will give you, will give you. You don't know. That's why the application, the library, the HTTP library, for example, Node.js, needs to continue reading, reading until it's, it's, 
it gets a sense of what uh, what is reading. I was like, oh, uh, it's, it's a request. It's actually a request. So there is no guarantee who will receive a co complete message or a complete request. Think of a message as a request here, right? It could it could receive less than a message, a full message, or parts of several messages, right? Because you, it might be the messages are so short, you might receive, I don't know, three requests in a single read. Highly unlikely. HTTP requests are so large, right? Large is like several bytes. It's going to be a lot of bytes. So I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, if you make a, your request so short, like get slash the minimum, no headers, whatever the applicable headers, you can do it, yeah. Or use another protocol. TCP-based application must mark message boundaries when they serialize messages. You have to encode your length somehow in the data. So you're wasting precious data from your side as an application to mark messages length and you're responsible for managing the length and stuff like that. This is another important thing. If multiple threads both read from a stream, it is possible that parts of a single message might be received by different thread. That's true, right? If the message is long, if a request is long, and you have multiple threads reading from the same stream or socket or a connection, right? Think of a connection as a stream here. So not to be confused, right? Again, this overloaded of terms is 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 really killing me. You know, I just, I try to parse this paper, but, you know, professors love to use abstractions as much as possible. So that's why I try to parse it. I try my best. But a stream is a connection, as far as I know here. A TCP connection, right? So if you're reading that stream of connection of data and multiple threads are reading it, one large request might be received from one thread and the other part will be received by the other. Yikes, that is the worst case scenario because like, oh, yeah, you got my request. Can you can you give me the request, please? So now coordination has to happen. It's so expensive. I have to agree with that. So yeah, this is the most interesting thing. Load balancing. How do we actually solve this? The first approach used by memcached is divide is to divide a collection of streams statically among the thread where each thread handles all the requests arriving on its streams so each each thread has a single stream why don't why can't we just say this each thread get a stream basically right so one thread one stream one thread one stream the uh, this approach is prone to hot because this way you don't you want you know you you're not gonna get the like the two threads dealing with multiple you know same request right all the requests will be handled by a thread but now this is a problem with the hotspot you're going to get a hotspot problem where one connection will be so busy and the other connection is so light so one thread will be overloaded and the other thread won't be overloaded and that's a problem in i guess in memcached that's then the second approach used by ram cloud ded dedicates one thread to read all incoming messages from all connections so all connections one thread it's up to you. You can design it any any way you want. What's the problem with this? So this is, so this thread reads all the messages, all the stream data, which is a bunch of segments, which now becomes a stream of data, and now dispatches dispatch messages to the thread. So it, that thread is responsible to breaking down the boundaries of the message. It's like, oh, you are an HTTP request. Wait, where do you start? 
you start here or oh, this is where you end because your content length is there so it needs to parse this all takes cpu processing power right and then da, 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 da. so imagine if this we can be offloaded to somewhere else that would be really interesting I, I just i i love absolutely love that part where the message boundary is handled at the transport layer i love this i love this in this design we it's it's a novel idea that i never yeah because to me i always think of messages or requests being processed application layer but why why do we have to why why not push this down at the layer four let layer four does it this stuff and even better offload this to the nick although i don't know if it's a good idea i think it's gonna bite us in the butt in the future if we offload everything to the nick right i don't know i don't know anything you guys dedicates one thread to read all the incoming messages from all streams and then dispatch messages to the thread of the service so the thread is doing a lot of work here this is also much better blood balancing worker because now the thread is, knows which thread is which which thread each thread is doing right that's actually very interesting so you can do a better load balancing there is no hot spotting man this is a completely different world you know i absolutely love this but the dispatcher thread becomes a, a throughput but bottleneck it, it makes sense right it becomes a bottleneck the fundamental problem with streaming is that units of in which data is received ranges of vibe do not correspond to dispatchable units work of messages why not why not why not let, let me let me challenge that let me challenge that can we fix that with tcp can we fix that can i assuming we don't have a limit in my mtu right assume i don't have a limit in my mtu right because i'm in a data center i'm gonna make my, i don't know one gig my mtu i don't know if that's even possible let's say it is right that means my ip packet is so large right can we even have a, a gig ip packet two to power what 16 bit so that gives us 65k that's tiny dude so the largest mtu we can get is 65k in ipv4 right Ugh, that is tiny dude 65k so that's the largest mtu we can get all right okay that is tiny i have to agree with you all right but i'm still gonna continue my theory here right ipv6 um let's see ipv6 yeah dude sounds like a 64k all right uh, regardless let's go back all right let's 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 stick with this all right so let's say the mtu is 65k because apparently anything larger than that doesn't make sense because it can't fit the ip header and where did i hear that the sometimes the payload is zero so you put the payload length as zero and you can put uh, whatever you want there i'm pretty sure there was i read something like that i might be wrong but yeah let's assume 65k like don't send any message larger than 65k all right let's 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 put some restriction here so now the mtu is that large then you have the frame is 65k obviously and then you have the ip packet is a 65k and then as a result the mss will be 65k minus whatever 40 bytes of the headers that's beautiful right this way now you can control each message you send actually send it in a segment so now if your message is a thousand byte have a low level api which you i believe you can 
flush the segment one segment it doesn't have to be full and have your application treat the segment as a message can we do this can we do this is this even possible i'm just challenging this i don't know if it's possible or not if you can ntcb treat the segment as a unit of work then for free we got the length you guys that's the message length can we do this can we do this you guys maybe not maybe yes okay unless if, if there is like if this is if middle middle router tried to play with the segments and retransmit it i cannot guarantee that i don't think we can guarantee the segment size right if you have proxies forget about it right if you have like end to end the host is behind a proxy right and then the proxy is like you're establishing a tcp connection between you and the proxy and the proxy establish connection with the back end uh, actual back end then you the proxy have to rewrite these segments to the to the back end right so you have to make sure the se proxy is actually rewriting the same segment sizes uh, which you cannot guarantee because there is no uh, these uh, these are not written in stone as far as i know right these segment sizes like whatever you receive doesn't won't necessarily go into that i think so it might work it might not but i i guess it, it's safer to create a new protocol but i know i would like to t give it a try first it would be better for each message to be dispatched to a different thread so messages can be processed concurrently so that's another advantage now that if the thread knows where the message starts where the message ends then it can be oh this is one message you thread ticket you method one ticket right that's the same thing if you if we somehow can guarantee that's what i'm saying right if we can somehow guarantee a message fitting in a single segment then we can solve this right can we guarantee that i don't have an answer to that let's read this highlighted that i highlighted in red for some reason in this world the nick should perform load balancing dispatching incoming request across a collection of application threads via kernel bypass however this will not be possible since information about message boundaries is application specific and unknown to transform layer i think i mentioned that but i, I highlighted it here again because it's so important the fact that the information the metadata about the message is available at the transport layer is so powerful which you think about it the segment does have a size right the 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 length of the the actual content of the segment this is how that's the length of the segment it does have that right the data length right but maybe it's not guaranteed right that's why we cannot use it right but what they are inventing effectively is inventing the same concept of a segment was that as a there's a decree a discrete message here obviously it's more complicated than i'm mentioning but but yeah if the if the nick for example knows about the length it can it can do the work and then immediately dispatch the message to the thread all right let's uh, we are reaching connection orientation very critical so the concept of connections in tcp is we've talked about this right whatsapp you know at some point supported 1 million tcp connection then they are back to three and i believe that now they're more than that three million tcp connection per host and they are doing their best to uh, to make sure that they 
fit a lot of connection in a single host, TCP connection that is in a single host, right? And that's so they're squeezing as much as possible memory-wise, right? But the reason they cannot go more than that is because of because each connection takes memory, right? It's a long lift connection states, left and right. There's window sizes, there is the sequences, what kind of the sequence, there are file descriptors, right? And I, I believe Linux, as they mentioned here, yeah, it's actually they mentioned here. Let's read actually. Connections are under the undesirable in data center environment because application can have hundreds or thousands of them, resulting in high overhead in space and time. For example, an Linux kernel keeps about two kilobytes of state for each TCP socket, excluding bucket packet buffers. Additional state is required at the application level. Yeah, that's 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 a positive point. We talked about this many times. Uh, one of the you know pet peeves in the TCP is the connection is just it's 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 expensive to keep a connection, a stateful connection, at the server and might I say at the client level as well, right? So yeah, it's expensive to keep a connection. So they don't like that. They want to change that. Facebook found a memory demand for a separate connection demanding. Uh, this allows a single connection for each server to be shared across all application thread. A single connection. So they made, they made sure that a single connection is shared across all application threads. Let's continue reading here. Right, so that's what they did. They thought, okay, instead of having a lot of connections, let's have one connection and share it between application threads. Right, so effectively we're multiplexing. Right, that's multiplexing. We're multiplexing with things going into one. Right, to reduce proxy overhead, Facebook uses UDP because there is an overhead now. Now that we have with proxies and we have this connection, we have an overhead. So they use UDP instead of TCP to tolerate the unreliability, but this sacrifices congestion control for the DOP. We know that, right? But I believe this this is now outdated because I'm pretty sure Facebook completely moved to Quick. Yeah, Quick is on top of UDP, but Quick supports congestion control at the stream level, might I say. So yeah, maybe this, this paper was written a little bit a while back. The overhead for connection state are also problematic when offloading the transport to the NIC due to limited resources on the NIC chip. Yeah, what you're gonna you're gonna offload the TCP connections down to the NIC? That's impossible, right? What? How much memory do you can you handle on that controller? That's that's not possible, right? So that I I believe they want to move to the NIC. That's from the from the paper here, the NIC, the Network Interface Controller. They all move everything as much as possible from software to the hardware and make it firmware. Yeah, patching is going to be a nightmare, but they, they're going to take care of it. It's a data center. Who cares, right? Still, security, vulnerability, stuff like that. I don't know, man. Sounds to me like easier to patch an operating system than a hardware firmware, especially if you have thousands and hundreds of thousand servers i don't know if you thought about that i don't know if it's a good idea yeah it's fast but uh. another problem with connection is that they require a setup phase before any data can be transmitted sure we know that the sense and x hack not only that they didn't mention even the encryption here like tls you gotta have encryption between your data centers right 
So we're going to encrypt. So, yep, there is a handshake going on. I didn't read anything related to encryption when it comes to HOMA. Now that I'm actually thinking about it. Didn't read anything related to encryption. Maybe they don't have that. Or maybe they do. Bandwidth sharing. So there's a concept of fair scheduling, which we talked about in, in TCP. Unfortunately, scheduling discipline like this, which is this fair thing, like a segment is a segment. Hey, you get a segment, you get a segment, segment, segment. So even if the segment is one byte and this segment is 1500 bytes, which is full segment, then I'm going to process them in order. I don't care if you have, you might have a thousand one byte segments and we have uh, three uh, or we have like a, a couple of a link longer segments, which is like this actual uh, TCP segment, right? Then the order in order is uh, is fair. It's like, hey, I don't care if you're short or long. I'm gonna process you one byte, then process one fifteen hundred, then process fifteen hundred, then process fifteen hundred, up until until I go back to you and then process another byte. So technically, the shorter messages are starving because you have ten shorter messages that can be processed in one go, but you have waited because you are fair. I don't know what I'm doing. Air quotes. But yeah, so that's uh, they don't like that. So they're shifting to this thing that's called shortest remaining processing time. And, and basically what that means is that uh, as I am processing something, I, I'm going to, I, I want to know like how, sh how, how long are you? How, how short are you? In TCP, we don't know the length, right? Of the actual message. We know the length of the segment, which is useless, right? right but we don't know the length of the message so but if we do we could have then oh how much uh, how much are we remaining for this oh we need a thousand bytes for this 20 20 oh let me just process the shortest the 20s and then i'm gonna hit that 1001 one hit so you your throughput automatically increases here right it's just fascinating stuff i, I like to th think about all this stuff that's good stuff that's good stuff Provide better overall response time because they they dedicate all of the available resources to a single task at a time, ensuring that it finishes quickly. Right, so it's like, hey, single task, let's finish you, let's finish you up, let's, let's wrap it up. Anything that that can be, and that's becomes comes back to priorities and stuff like that. Again, I heard I said important stuff. TCB has no information about message boundaries. We do not know where the message starts, and where the message ends all this. Sender-driven congestion control. TCP drives congestion control from senders, which voluntarily slow their rate of packet transmission when they detect conduction. We talked about that, right? That's one problem, another problem with the TCP. Again, a problem for data centers, that is. So we'll continue again discussing uh, congestion control here. They allow congestion signals related to buffer occupancy. More commonly, switches generate ECN notification when queue length reach a certain threshold. I talked about that, uh, the ECN notification, where if the routers or the switches, again, saying just switches here, to me, a switch is a layer two thing. It has nothing to do with layer three. It, has, it, doesn't, it doesn't touch the IP packets, right? Again, Maybe in the data center, they speak this language. To me, it's confusing. Y you have to say layer three switch. You can't just say switch, right? So that's one another, another pit peeve with this paper. It's like, yeah, is it, 
specifically say layer three switch, which are switches that look at layer three, which is the IP protocol and does stuff to that stuff uh, at that layer, right? It reads the IP headers which most switches just read, you know, the MAC addresses, the frames, right? It doesn't care about the IP header. So uh, layer three switches does a deep packet inspection and determines the IP packet. And when it does that, there is a bit that is can set in the IP called the ECN, which is the explicit congestion notification. It tells, uh, as it processes this packet, it will say, hey, I'm, I'm about to be congested. There is a lot of stuff in my buffer. It marks it up. So as it go, as the IP packets goes all the way to the host, the host replay back that IP packet and sits it in the sit the ACN header in the IP packet. And this way, the sender will know that oh something happened, congestion happened. But look how long it took, right? For the sender to know there was a congestion, it will, it took a whole round trip basically. And that's what I mentioned here. It takes about one route, one RTT for a sender to find out about traffic changes. TCP does not take advantage of priority queues in modern network. I honestly don't know what a priority queue is. Now, maybe again, network engineers let us know in the comment section. Uh, apparently, it's a, it's a specific feature in switches that allows certain packets to have a priority over others. Thus, all packets are treated equal for short messages can get queued behind long ones. And that's a bad thing for data center because a short message queued behind a long one, you know, the long one will take longer time to process. And when I say process, I don't mean the application actually processing it right in the app. No, I mean, just, just to receive that message, to deliver that message. It takes time, more time to deliver than... A single shorter message in order packet delivery another bad thing about the tcp as far as this paper mentions in data center networks the most effective way to perform load balancing is to perform packet spraying which is something uh, new to me as well packet spraying if you don't know is uh, the idea of having a lot of you have a lot of packets coming ip packets that is and then you just uh, spray it across the different links that you have like for load balancing reasons let's say you have uh, your switch or your router has multiple links and all of these links eventually they are load balanced right and it will it will eventually lead there it's a whole mesh at the end of the day right if you think about it this way, then you can send the packet number one here, packet number two here, packet number three here. And instead of sending packet, 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 you send packet, packet number one, two, three on each link. So effectively, you're spraying the packets just like it's a hose, you're spraying it. I'm, I'm doing that with my hand now, just spraying the hose, right? So what's wrong? Can we do this? In TCP, apparently not. So instead, TCP network must use flow consistent routing where all the packets from a given connection take the same trajectory through the network. Flow consistent routing ensures in order packet delivery, but it virtually guarantees that there will be overloaded links in the network. Yeah, that makes sense, right? Because you're now, you're now, everything just goes into the same link. But it creates a hotspot, right? For a connection, it just follows one link. But I'm really surprised to learn about this. Do we really, in the internet, forget about the data centers. I don't have an answer for that. 
do routers in the internet actually do that? Do they look at the source and the destination and then say, oh, you're TCP and you're going to this source, so you're always going to take this path so we can ensure an order uh, guarantee? And is that why multipath TCP was invented? Right? Because to, to take a different path effectively. That sounds like a bad idea if we're doing that really on the internet. That sounds like a bad idea. I don't know. I don't know anything anymore. <laughs> really? We're just doing a sticky session per connection? Yeah, but apparently from this paper, this is, this is the second time I've seen this term, the flow consistent. First, in the, when I read the multi-path uh, TCP paper, and then when I read this paper, flow consistent. Sounds like this is what's happening. It's like... Uh, I, I can't find information anymore online w w about these low-level questions. I need to speak to someone who is an expert, not not me, you know, obviously. I need to, to ask someone who actually entrenched with this on a day-to-day -day basis that knows these answers because I don't have answers to this, to be honest. So here is they say TCP is beyond repair. TCP is beyond repair. Again, one of the problems, consider congestion control, right? And this is the data center TCP. Let's talk about it a little bit. The data center TCP protocol, you, you remember when I talked about the explicit congestion notification, right? This bit that we set in the IP header. What happens is that bit that tells you there is a congestion. It doesn't tell you anything else. It doesn't tell you how much congestion, how much are we about to be congested? How much byte left? doesn't tell you any of that. Data center TCP sets more metadata to the sender to make better decisions about congestion. That's that's all what it is. And if you want to read more about it, it's right here. Yeah, that's the abstract. Uh, the data center TCP, just uh, it's uh, RFC for those listening. It's RFC. It's RFC 8257 for those who are interested. So again, they're mentioning here that all of these schemes, all the protocols that try to enhance TCP or recreate TCP are based on the fundamental problem that it is buffer-based, right? So if one of the routers in the middle ugh, filled up, tough luck, right? That's the only signal, right? Which they want to change that. Buffer is not... Just because you're, you're filled with stuff doesn't mean it's time to drop it. They want to change that. They want to flip that. They want to avoid the buffer to begin with. It's very interesting. Let's continue. We're almost there. Now we get to HOMA. HOMA is a clean slate redesign of network transport for the data center. So the first concept, messages. HOMA is message-based. It's not biased. It's, it's not streams. It's message-based. So at the transport layer, at layer 4, you have access to a message. It's a complete message. When I get you something, it's a complete message. Yeah, that's the that, that's the work we're working around a message. The context is a message. Yeah, we kind of got that with the with the with TCP. We got segments, but segment didn't really correspond to messages, and that's what breaks this. A client sends a request message to a server and eventually receives a response message. 
The primary advantage of a message is they make dispatchable unit explicit at the transport layer. This dispatchable unit of work, not a bunch of bytes, right? It's actual message that we can consume immediately and we can work on it immediately. NIC-based implementation of the protocol could dispatch message directly to a pool of worker thread via kernel bypass. So now, even if you implemented HUMA in the NIC, in the network uh, interface controller, the NIC will only give the application a message that it immediately can consume, not just a byte. So the application has to do zero work when it comes to, you know, parsing and doing all this, you know, uh, work that the HTTP protocol does, oh, content length, blah, 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 you know, doesn't have any of that, right? It's just immediately consume it. Beautiful. It's a, it's a commended way, but the moment we work with messages, you guys, forget about video streaming. This is useless for video streaming. This is useless for gaming, you know, the concept of a gaming. Maybe, yeah, well, it depends on the game, I guess, right? If, if a game ha relies heavily on delivering state from the server, then that would be large messages. I take that back. Maybe it's it's it might be a good idea for the game. But if you're receiving like a video streaming or live streaming, then forget about that, any of that stuff. You know, audio calls, that, that won't work with Homo. Because you'll have to wait for the whole message to arrive in order to receive to deliver it for the application. That is the trick. So if you have a large message, the NIC is buffering this message. I think it should, right? So that's another limitation. Like what if you have like a large message? Are you gonna buffer it in the NIC and does the, does, does the NIC actually support buffering these large messages? So for example, an application cannot receive any part of the message until the entire message has been received, right? So that's a limitation, I guess, of this. But at the end of the day, they, they are fine with this limitation. And that's what I like about it. They actually mentioned that, hey, this is the limitation. It's not good. It's not great for anyone. But hey, right? no connections. Homa is connectionless. So the, when I read this, while Homa is connectionless, you guys, it doesn't mean it's stateless. It is a stateful protocol. It has a state stored both in the client and the server about these things that's called the RPC, right? So there is a state, but there's no connection, right? The concept of a connection, there is no connection set up overhead, and an application can use a single socket to manage any number of concurrent RPCs with any number of peers. Again, here they're talking about a scheduling policy. Let's continue. Receiver-driven congestion control. So that's interesting here. So the difference here is the receiver dictates how the sender sends the information in Homo. Hmm, interesting. The receiver has knowledge of all its incoming messages. That's true, right? So it is in a better position to manage this congestion. When a sender transmits a message, it can send a few unscheduled packet unilaterally enough to cover the round trip time. But the remaining scheduled packets may only be sent in response to grants from the receiver. That's what we talked in the beginning, right? So there is, yeah, we always send something called the unscheduled packet. So you cannot, first of all, large or small messages, they, Homa doesn't send large messages 
at once like tcp it's like oh let's just send 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 no it 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 divides things into two buckets if you will the unscheduled package which always gets in the scheduled package which is like get scheduled until we get a grant from the receiver to receive them and that basically the moment you get a grant that means we will have uh, the congestion is controlled by the receiver and the, this will guarantee almost no congestion right because we know the moment we receive a grant that means hey i'm good to send what other problems that the, does this cause to be honest what kind of problems i don't know maybe maybe the sender will have backed up a, a lot of scheduled packets backed up right and this chattiness again going back from the server to the client once the first packet of the message has been seen the total length of the message is known that's very interesting so when you send unscheduled packet of each message we for free give the headers right and the header includes the length of the message so the receiver immediately know that they're going to get a bunch of messages not complete not necessarily complete some of them might be complete some of them might not and they get to decide the receiver get to decide okay let's grant this oh these are short they are already complete let me let me deliver them these are these are not completed yet let's send a grant for this one and now we can you get to choose and pick and choose so that's interesting design right there does it have limitations i don't know man sounds like keeping stuff in the sender buffer mm. yeah i don't know if this will starve longer messages or not it might out of order packets a key design feature of homa is that it can tolerate out of order packets sure i don't care if the, if a message three received before message one the, the order of the, which the messages are sent has no to be honest it has nothing to do with the processing of the messages it's just messages why are you blocking message uh three just because message one didn't arrive no i get to choose like okay i might block message three because message one is short and i have to i have to arrive message one first so yeah you message three is very long so yeah, yeah you can wait it's okay but message one is short and i i want to process shorter packets so all of this can be actually controlled so out of order packets are so fine in this case but again as long as we have enough information delivered to us so that we can see these messages to begin with right all right so getting there from here almost done conclusion almost done so again uh homa because of the all of this all the scheduled and unscheduled and grants it has its own api and it's not compatible with tcp so what the what those guys did they said wait a minute yeah sure nobody who who's the last one who built on top of tcp yeah some application built directly on tcp but most people use apis that sits on top of tcp such as grpc apache thrift right those are built on top of http2 grpc is built on http2 which uses tcp right and there's a, like a, an ongoing backlog item in grpc to use http3 uh, and now those guys are working with grpc team the google team to support homa as a grpc transport layer in this case the moment homa comes to grpc 
immediately all the applications light up. And that's the beauty of this. If you are a gRPC user, you're going to get Homa for free if this is implemented. And by the way, did I mention that they have a Linux implementation already? So those guys already did the work and they showed the numbers. So yeah, so yeah, not all applications. HTTP. Do I see HTTP on top of Homa? HTTP 4 maybe? Because HTTP has nothing to do with streaming. Wait a minute. No, no, no. We can't do. We can't use messages on top of HTTP. That's just not not a good idea. Because HTTP is a streaming. Also, the same concept, right? Imagine like you don't you don't see the page until everything is loaded. No, I want to see as things are arrive, especially HTTP streaming and yeah, video. We watched YouTube videos. No, 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 no. Keep this away. <laughs> keep 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 using TCP and quick. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. HTTP3, that's it. No, no, no. <laughs> Bad idea. Bad idea. I don't think it works for the web. Homo. I don't think it does. So yeah, uh, this is their proposal. They're going to use uh, gRPC. Let's look at the conclusion and end this video. I know you guys are tired. I am also exhausted. So I think it's one of the longest videos I made ever. Well, let's read this. The conclusion. TCP is the wrong protocol for data and computing. Again, they focus on the data center. Yeah, right? Nothing to do with other stuff. Nothing to do with the web. Data center computing, TCP is wrong. They want a low-level protocol, a transport protocol, that fixes these problems, which they articulated very well in this, in my opinion, in this paper. Obviously, this, this paper doesn't have details about HOMA. If you want the actual details of HOMA, there is like a... a a lot of de more detailed uh, paper that I'm going to reference as well. That reads like the actual in the weed, if you are going to go that far. Every aspect of TCP design is wrong. There is no part worth keeping. Again, wrong in for the data center. There is no part worth keeping. If we want to eliminate the data center tax, we must find a way to move most data center traffic to a radically different protocol. HOMA offers an alternative that appears to solve all of TCP problems. The best way to bring HOMA into widespread usage is integrated with RPC frameworks, with RPC frameworks that underlie most large scale center applications. Like, yeah, in microservices, basically, most of this stuff uh, uses gRPC, any communication between services actually used maybe gRPC that's pretty much it that's the like the de facto right isn't it so yeah this was the we need a replacement for tcp in the data center right written by uh professor john outsterhout stanford university again paper is still currently under submission but didn't didn't prevent us from actually reviewing it and reading it i think it's a good protocol i think it's a good idea uh for the data center, that is. Uh, does, it, does it fix all our TCP problems? No. I think TCP is still relevant. I think we still need the TCP protocol. Yeah. Uh, but it's not, it's, not, it's not applicable for everything. It's applicable for certain use cases, especially if you have this request response and responses and re your responses don't have the concept of streaming, right? So in the web, I don't believe this is good for us yeah http is a request response system but 
the response i cannot think of waiting for the whole response to arrive in order to just deliver it right like i want to see the html headers i want to see the body i want to see the skeleton comes in right as content comes in let me, let me this idea of streaming the html page whatever you see is what you get is important we need to see stuff right unless you just want to click and then just have a loading screen and then just poof everything appears you can do that but i don't know if that will fly in the web right and that just uh, did on arrival when when you like watch a youtube video or stuff like that this is not suitable for streaming videos right because uh, the main disadvantage is we have to have a message which we don't have this concept in tcb tcb is just whatever is already bytes it's byte streaming data it's just like a hose um, filled with data and there is a disadvantage or advantages for this streaming concept so it really depends on you what do you want uh what's your use cases uh i enjoyed uh, going through this uh, i think it's a uh, it's a good paper guys what do you think about this paper what do you think about this human protocol do you think we need it do you think we don't in the data center again in the data center outside uh, they don't address anything outside at all but let me know what do you think uh i'm gonna see you in the next one you guys stay awesome goodbye